Hi, this is Jim from Safety Words. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And welcome to Safety Wars. Sorry about that. I rearranged the buttons on my board here. And suddenly I forgot how to use it. That's okay. Welcome to Season 3 of Safety Wars. And it's Safety Wars for Friday, March 10th, 2023. We're call, we're talking to you. I'm calling, talking to you. From the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north. People say, well, what, what's the border of liberty and prosperity? You're not there yet. We're right on the border. Yeah, well, we're in Rockland County, New York, broadcasting from Clarkstown, New York. And right due south from me is New Jersey, whose state motto is liberty and prosperity. We also have several highways that go north here, including the New York Thruway, Route 95, not too far away, and the Palisades Parkway. Pardon me. Had an unusual thing happen to me this afternoon. Really unusual. So I'm driving home from a client facility. By the way, we do equipment calibrations here, too. So give us a call at 845-269-5772 if you want to work with us. So I'm on the way home, and I see this young woman, maybe 10, 11 years old, in the center median of the Palisades Interstate Parkway northbound, just past exit 10. I'm thinking, what is this child doing there? So we got into the idea, well, do I call 911 or not? Do I call 911 or not? So I said, yeah, let me call 911. I don't know what her situation is. I don't know what's happening or anything else. So what I need to do is find out. Uh, I'll give on 911 a call, let the authorities handle it, because you never know. It might be a runaway. It may be someone who's hurt. And maybe someone, uh, you know, we have Route 59 here, uh, here in uh, Rockland County, one of the capitals in the Northeast because we're right outside New York City for uh, child trafficking and other uh, not-so-nice things. I mean, I was in a uh, hotel. I was working for a company, and they hired me to do some training for them. They hired a, uh, They put us out in a hotel. And uh, I was in a hotel, and there were people in... Uh, during one of the breaks, we go out and say, yeah, okay, let's go out, take a couple minutes, stretch our legs, go into the lobby. They had some coffee there and everything else. And there were people in there trying to choreograph, we'll just say, some not-so-nice movies. I was like, ah, oh, man. So the newspapers are right. All different types of illegal crap going on over here in Rockland County. So uh, right on the Route 59 corridor with all the seedy hotels. But anyway... Trying try to choreograph a movie. That, you, get, you get that idea. Anyway, so I know. And Jay Allen is probably saying, man, where is he going with this, man? Ah. So anyway, we're on season three. I you know, was promoting it on Monday's program. I did not upload Monday's program because I was laughing too hard from some of the things that we were on here. Uh, talking about specifically a simple sabotage field manual from the Office of Strategic Services which is an authentic uh, manual that was, uh, that was uh, uh, put out during World War II, World War II. And uh, know what? We're going to discuss it again today because I was laughing too hard <laughs> for this uh, to do it with a straight face. Uh, so, you know, as everyone knows, my uh, father passed away uh, last year. And these were, this is the kind of document, the kind of stuff that we used to read together and we'd get a huge laugh and we know it's hard finding this uh stuff like this and similar publications so 
what are we going to be doing here for season three? I, I will, first of all, we're going to be putting this on more on video, right? And we'll put the simulcast right on uh, YouTube and some of the other, uh, some of the other places, right? Uh, what happens is I do this program eight o'clock at night, Eastern time, which is, I know it's five o'clock drive time on the uh, West coast. Long story short, I look like crap when it comes down to nine o'clock at night. Eyes with bags, you know, the whole thing. So uh, we're going to do more of that, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So uh, now I get comments all the time. Jim, at the beginning of your podcast three years ago, three or two years ago, we're in our third year here. Uh, you covered a lot of real small uh, articles and things of that nature. Now, so let's read some of them off to you exactly what these are what these were uh, withholding information, right? The dangers of having information withheld from you. Uh, don't let others make your decisions. Disaster for fairness, psychopaths in the workplace, the night, not so nice people who work in procurement, the safety stump speech, know what to say ahead of time, respect, right? Uh, is respect your problem. Uh, don't be quick to fire someone. And um, no, one of my favorite cultural pushback strategies faced by safety professionals, gaslighting, commentary on the safety triangle, and going on safety in HR, understanding the other person. You know, you get the idea. And uh, the safety professional's dilemma, how do we manage vaxxed versus unvaxxed? I think we're going to keep that up. Some of these I took down because of uh, COVID. And uh, no, looking back at them, I said, you know what? Probably need to come down that perseverance uh, with this and everything else. But we're going to go back and revisit some of these, pardon me, some of these uh, topics out there. So I'm going to go and we're going to talk about the simple sabotage field manual again. We did it on Monday. I was laughing so hard. It's kind of, you know, it's pretty funny. You know, one of those things I'll, I'll try to do this with a straight face because I explained this like in two training classes this week. And, uh, you know, so this is basically it. This was issued in January 1944, was declassified in 2008, and it was specifically on in support of D-Day. D-Day is the invasion of uh, Europe across the English Channel by Allied forces uh, June 6th into June 7th. And then, you know, if you ever saw the movie Saving Private Ryan, that's what it was. And what the idea was, was they knew that this was going to be an invasion and they knew that they had people in Europe, right? All of Europe, specifically Nazi Germany, Vichy France, uh, some of the other uh, countries that were did not want to help the uh, Nazis, did not want to help Hitler. So what they did was they came up with a 20-page book here, pamphlet, on how to sabotage the war machine in Germany. And I'm going to read through this, and uh, it's going to be a little long, but you know, if you're a history buff, this is somewhere to go, and I'm going to have some questions at the end because this was some of the feedback that I received back. So the purpose of this paper, I'm reading right from it. It's uh, in five parts, right? Intro and, you know, things to that. Some of this stuff is dated, like how to sabotage a, telegraphs, a telegraph or a, a switchboard, right? So, no, some of it's dated. However, you know, we'll, we'll let this build. You know, you're going to know where I'm going here. Uh, especially if you listen on Monday live. The purpose of this paper is to characterize simple sabotage, to outline its possible effects, and to present suggestions for inciting and executing it. Right. So this was all written and January issued in January 1944. D Day was June 6th of the same year, and June 7th. Sabotage varies from highly technical coup de main acts that require detailed planning and thus the use of specially trained operatives to. Im- Innumerable, innumerable simple acts which the ordinary individual citizen saboteur can perform. So we're worried about, and with this document, the citizen saboteur. So uh, this uh, paper is primarily concerned with simple sabotage does not require specially prepared tools or equipment and is executed by an ordinary citizen who may or may not act individually and without the necessity for active connection with an organized group. 
and it is carried out in such a way as to involve the minimum danger of injury, detection, and reprisal. Where destruction is involved, the weapons of the citizen saboteur are salt, nails, uh, candles, pebbles, thread, or any other materials he might normally be expected to possess as a householder or as a worker in his particular occupation. His arsenal is the kitchen shelf, the trash pile, his own unusual kit of tools and supplies. The targets of his sabotage are usually objects to which he has normal and inconspicuous access in every day. A second type of civil sabotage requires no destructive tools whatsoever, produces physical damage, if any, by highly indirect means. It is based on universal opportunities to make faulty decisions, to adopt non-cooperative attitudes, and to induce others to follow suit. Making a faulty decision may be simply a matter of placing tools in one spot or another, blah, blah, blah. Okay, good. This type of activity, sometimes referred to as the human element, sound familiar? Is frequently responsible for accidents, delays, and general destruction, even under normal conditions, right? And the potential saboteur should discover what types of faulty decisions and non-cooperation are normally found in his kind of work and should then devise his sabotage as to enlarge the margin of er for error. And this is what the whole thing, the possible effects, section two. Acts of simple sabotage multiplied by thousands of citizen saboteurs can be effective weapons against the enemy. Sound familiar? Saul Alinsky's rule for rad Rules for Radicals? Civil sabotage may have secondary results of more or less value. Widespread practice of civil sabotage will harness and demoralize enemy administrators and police. And section three is motivating, right? We, uh, with that, and let's go. I have this all printed out here. And where did I find this? Elon Musk tweeted this out last Sunday night. And I did a little bit of research. And I don't want to give people ideas on what to do here because that involve that because, you know, you have crazy people. We have one story later on if we get to it on what they do, what certain crazy people do. So here we have to sabotage water and miscellaneous things. Ruin warehouse stock by setting the automatic sprinkler system to work. Forget to provide paper in the toilets. Put tightly rolled paper, hair and other obstructions in the water system. And it tells you how to do that. And now we're going to talk about organizations and other things coming up. So here we go. I am turning the pages here. And it talks about railways, how to mining, right? Tan transportation. How to sabotage transportation. We're talking about roads. Damaged roads is slow and therefore impractical as a D-Day or near D-Day activity. They're called a D-Day before it was D-Day. Right? Change signposts at intersections and forks. The enemy will go the wrong way, and it may be miles before he discovers his mistakes. In areas where traffic is composed primarily of enemy autos, trucks, and motor convoys of various kinds, remove danger symbols, uh, signals from curves and intersections. Ooh. When the enemy asks for directions, give him wrong information. If you can start damage to a heavily traveled road, uh, passing traffic and the elements will do the rest. All right? And it goes on and on. So that's the kind of stuff. So this is a section that Elon Musk put out. And it was general interference with organizations and productions from page 28. By the way, the Office of uh, Strategic Services was the forerunner to the Central Intelligence Agency. Number one, insist on doing everything through channels. Never permit shortcuts to be taken in order to expedite decisions. Make speeches Talk as frequently as possible and at great length. Illustrate your points by long anecdotes and accounts of personal experiences. Sounds like one of my safety meetings, but never make, uh, never hesitate to make a few appropriate patriotic comments. When possible, refer all matters to committees for further study and consideration. Attempt to make the committees as large as possible, never less than five. Bring up irrelevant issues as frequently as possible. Haggle over precise wordings of communications, minutes, and resolutions. Refer back to matters decided upon at the last meeting and attempt to reopen the question of the advisability of that decision. Be advocate caution. Be reasonable. And urge your fellow conference, conferees to be reasonable and avoid haste, which might result in embarrassments or difficulties later on. Be worried about the propriety of any decision. Raise the question of whether such action as is contemplated lies within the jurisdiction of the group or whether it might conflict with the policy of some higher 
echelon. Okay, this is what Elon Musk treated out on Sunday. Have you been watching uh, what's going on with uh, Twitter and everything this week? I kind of like, okay, maybe this is conspiratorial. I know the other wars programs, right, talk about conspiracies, but uh, what's going on in his organization that he would bring this up? That's my question, and I think that's a valid question here uh, with this. Uh, number one. Uh, number two, how many of us have been on committees? And we see how people don't want to be there often, uh, you know, on these committees or these, call them what they want, working groups, committees, whatever, and they do the, use this strategy. How's that? I'm not saying everyone's at the sabotage, but what impacts your meetings on this? So you're doing a safety meeting. Ever do a safety meeting and people talk over you or interrupt you and talk about all this stuff that happens? Maybe you're the safety. Maybe you're doing this, right? If you're doing the safety meeting or the training, right? Hey, or how about this? We're not going to make this decision now. So we're going to put it, kick it, no, punt it. Punt it to somebody else who knows. Punt it to another thing. Oh, and by the way, that other committee only meets once a month. Does that happen? So what happens is they're trying to run out the clock. How does this happen also? Let's say that you have winter coming up and you have winter safety hazards. And they say, well, and it's October, you bring it up. Every October 17th, my organizations that I work with get a email from me. Winter is coming up. Why October 17th? 16th is my birthday. So I remember 17th easy day. And I do it at home too. What do we need to get ready for winter? This winter was a flop. I mean, yeah, it's, we had a couple of snowstorms up here in uh, Rockland County, but nothing to write home about. Well, you know, what do we do? I've been in an organization. Well, we're going to worry about that next month. Well, November, it might be hard to get some of the equipment you need for snow removal or PPE and everything else. And if you're in the Midwest, you know, winter is already there October 17th. I was in Montana and we got two and a half foot of snow one year when I was there on my birthday. Bring up irrelevant issues as frequently as possible. You're in a meeting. People bring up irrelevant issues, right? And to get you off track. Haggle over precise wordings of communications, minutes, and resolutions. Yeah, that's happened a lot. Refer back, refer back to matters decided upon at the last meeting and attempt to reopen the question of advisability. Advocate caution. And hey, let's be reasonable and urge your fellow conferees to be reasonable and avoid haste, which might result in embarrassments or difficulties later on. Right, so you you advocate for this stuff to delay a decision, to let the time run out. There's a lot of organizations that do that, uh, especially charities that have been involved in some type of scandal where they're waiting for the old leadership to die off or retire. Then everyone will forget it. The people who have problems die off too. I could name of a couple here that could do it, but I, I'd really piss people off. Be worried about the proprietary of uh, any decision. Raise the question whether they have actions, as is contemplated, lies within the jurisdiction of the group, and whether it might conflict with the policy of some higher echelon. So, again, punt. You're kicking it over to someone else. That's punt with a P. All right? Uh, managers and supervisors, what can they do? All right? To, to, to gum up the works. Number one, demand written orders. How many times have we done that? I, I mean, I, I do that all the time. Demand written orders on everything. I do it because the people that, and uh, my wife does this also, because a lot of times when you're dealing with people, it's easier to read than it is to hear, number one. Number two, uh, I had a former business partner. So he's a former business partner that wanted nothing in writing. And then whatever, and then whatever uh, the discussion was, it could be whatever, you or him ever wanted it to be, especially him and deny, deny, deny. So we're not talking about, hey, holding people to their word and covering your butt and all of this stuff, CYA moves. We're just saying where they don't want to hear anything. They want everything in writing. Now, remember, this is 1944. Not a lot of people. Uh, no, I'm Gen Xer, right? So we came in in the transition uh, between uh, typewriters, computers, typewriters and handwritten stuff and computers and email. So a lot of people then would do written orders. So what would you hear? I can't read. And I still hear it. I can't read your handwriting. I can't read your handwriting. So you send them an email. Well, I don't understand what you want. I don't understand what you want. And you, when you give it to, you know, that was all baloney. 
that they couldn't understand handwriting. That's absolute baloney. And you know who you are if you're listening to this, right? Uh, because the same people who you now give it in writing, right? And emails still say, well, we don't understand. Misunderstand orders. That's number two. I stepped over it. So, hey, oh, I misunderstood that. I don't know. Ask endless questions or engage in long correspondence about such orders. Quibble, quibble over them when you can. Three, do everything possible to delay the delivery of orders. Even though parts of an order may be ready beforehand, don't deliver it until it is completely ready. So that's another one. Delay, delay, delay. Put the other person on under pressure. Right? This could be intentional or unintentional. I'm giving commentary in here as we do this. Don't order new working materials until your current stocks have been virtually exhausted so that the slightest delay in filling your order will mean a shutdown. What do we call this in today's society? This is just-in-time delivery, just-in-time use, where we only have like 48 hours, and we found this out during the lockdowns. Stores only have 48 hours of stuff, Right? So there's no uh, reserve. So in 48 hours, 72 hours, everything's depleted in uh, the supermarket, right? I'm going to go to a break here for a second because I have, I'm wearing a sweater and I got to take it off here. So we're going to go to commercial break. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro. Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd. Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant. Jim Pozell with Safety Wars. Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold. And many others. As individuals, we can do great things. But as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow, safety today. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. Oh, that Jessica, I just love hearing that. Uh, my daughter Jessica finally got in on the action here doing these promos. Hopefully we'll hear more from her in the future. So don't order working materials until, right? So just in time, ordering. Order high-quality materials, which are hard to get. If you don't get them, argue about it. Warn the inferior, that inferior materials will mean inferior work. Hmm. And making work assignments, always sign out the unimportant jobs first. See that the important jobs are assigned to inefficient workers of poor machines. And sit, so the, the people who don't know what they're doing, they get the good jobs. The people who know what they're doing get the menial jobs the simple jobs, right, that are not really important. Insist on perfect work and relatively unimportant products. Send back for refinishing those which you have the least flaw. Approve other defective parts whose flaws are not visible to the naked eye. Make mistakes in routing so that parts and materials will be sent in the wrong place and planned. Oh, yeah, that happens, right? Especially with just-in-time delivery. We have, uh, so when we're building warehouses, we have suppliers. No, we're, we didn't even put up the sidewalls. So we have suppliers uh, dropping off materials that we are going to need a year from now, right? Because someone in the supply chain put in an order based on a written schedule and didn't bother to call anybody to find out if it was appropriate. So we end up, again, you're messing with the supply chain. When training new workers... Give incomplete or misleading instructions. This was my father's career, right? Where uh, he came in, uh, again, uh, in the transition period of people who left uh, when they were working at Western Electric in Kearney. And I have uh, uh, a DECA a safety award, no, cards and safety incentive here, never opened from Wee Kearney here when I found when we were cleaning out my father's uh, things. So, he came in 
when uh, he came in when uh, the old generation, which were primarily European, right? They left Europe in World War One. Were at the end of their working career. He started working in '57. So what happened was those folk. Well, actually, before that, I think it was '55. 54. Anyway, long story short, those people would not give you any instructions. They said, well, you're trained. You do the job. And you ended up having to learn on your, by yourself. Now, the ulterior mo- there were two things there. One, if you learned on your own, it was sink or swim. You learned on your own. You learned. You know, you really learned things. You learned them the hard way. The second thing was this. They felt that if they gave you complete instructions and training you how to do the job, they wouldn't have a job anymore. How often does that happen in our organizations? Happens a lot, right? And that's one of the things with human organizational performance where you're not relying on one individual. You're not relying on one individual to do things. You're relying on the system and you're getting other people involved. That way, uh, no, I, that way, when the one person goes away, all that institutional knowledge and or even if it's, if it's for the day, uh, if you don't train anybody else to do the job, you don't have capacity and you have a more serious, uh, you have a more dangerous workplace. You're going to say, oh, Jim, what do you mean more dangerous workplace? Well, a couple of accidents I've investigated. One was a fatality along with two uh, was a fatality and two other workers were catastrophically hurt. Uh was the foreman was out that day. And the foreman that was of this mindset, we're not going to give uh, complete information because if we give complete information, that person is going to know how to do the job and leave. So I'm just going to be there and t- start telling them what to do. Happens, right? Uh, happens with it. That person ended up dead because he never told them the why, why you do things and actually train them. And then you see... Uh, uh, no, uh, you see, uh, uh, no, uh, well, other accidents where they got people who won't learn. You can instruct them, train them, beg, beg, plead and everything else. They won't learn. And what happens? They get hurt too. I've worked a whole bunch of stuff there where it was truly the, uh, uh and again, it's the employer's fault. No, I, my question always is, and I was talking to a colleague this week on this also, where he had a accident on site, and in the quote-unquote root cause analysis, he said, Jimmy, I'm forced to put in here with their hiring practices because they hired someone who was not qualified for the job, did not have the right attitude, and was, uh, you know, did not have the cognitive ability to do the job. Couldn't do it. Not that he was cognitively impaired, but he just no, couldn't do it. So the company, again, this is, you might say, well, Jim, you're talking bad apple. No, I'm not talking bad apple where you're blaming the worker for things, but you're blaming management for putting workers into situations that they really should not be in, right? That's what we're talking about uh, with everything. To lower morale and with it, production, be pleasant to inefficient workers, give them undeserved promotions, discriminate against efficient workers, and complain unjustly about their work. Well, how do we do that? Recently, I was dealing with somebody who's, uh, and it, three months later, the boss was crying, please don't leave, please don't leave, please don't leave. And then, uh, three months later, the boss got a huge promotion and a huge raise. And what this was, was, uh, right, and he was rewarding workers, everybody, right, out here. This worker that he did this to, he only was a good worker, but he constantly rewarded the bad workers. And this one worker, he demanded more and more and more out of, bigger production and everything else. Basically, set him up, basically, set himself up for a promotion. Now he's getting promoted, and everybody else, right? Is there is a hellish working environment for the good workers? So, again, more morale uh, destroyer. Hold conferences when there is more critical work to be done. How how about that? You're out on a job working, you're doing a process working, and all of a sudden someone stops. We got to have a meeting. It's like, dude, I was right in the middle of this. Well, we got to have a meeting. Yeah, but this is an unannounced meeting. Can we do it later? No, you're going to stop now and we're going to do a meeting, right? Now, try to get everything, everyone working back in the groove with everything, right? Again, this is how you sabotage places. 
Multiply paperwork in plausible ways. Start duplicate files. Again, this is when we had physical files, but the same thing could happen with electronic files. Oh, well, you know what? What's our solution to doing this? Well, we're going to add another piece of paperwork. We're going to add another checklist. We're going to add another page to that JHA. We're going to uh, require everybody to carry on their person. Uh, uh, no, I'm guilty of this too. We're going to have people carry instructions on their person. More paperwork. Duplicate, and you know what? We're going to do duplicate files. Not only do you have to send whatever plan to this person, you got to send it to this person, this person, this person, and this person, rather than just putting it in an email and emailing it to a group. Or I set up uh, drop boxes that everybody has access to, right? That needs them. So, hey, you're going to send all your paperwork to this one email address. And then someone on that end will sort it, sort it out. Much better way of handling things. So, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we do on all of our projects is that we go and uh, no, we manage paperwork often, right? Among other things. Some of our clients, are, you know, they have a lot of paperwork with, with good reason, right, uh, for this. Uh, for with good reason, covering liabilities and uh, no, uh, people not planning out their work like they should, uh, no, so this verifies that regulatory stuff where you have to prove that you inspected uh, equipment, uh, you have uh, audits, everything like that, all right? But, no, and you need that. You need a certain amount of that. But how you manage it might be sabotaging uh, towards, uh, uh, you know, uh, there may be, you know, uh, what am I saying? Multiply paper, right? So you're going to, uh, no, Adding more and more paperwork may not be the solution to anything. So what's another thing? Right, And I'll give you my uh, red star or gold star speech. I call this. When we were in kindergarten, right, what would you, and this is when I was right there, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. You had a good assignment. You did your homework. You did whatever in class. And they put a gold star. They put a nice sticker. And then later on, they had the scratch and sniff stickers. And I, I still have my old ones, my old speech therapy books. And, you know, smell them and everything else, and they still work. And what happens? You go through all this stuff, and uh, all through your life, you're, you're going and you're doing paperwork at school, you got a test, you got an A, you're taking SATs and everything else, and, oh, we're good at this paperwork. The people who are, don't excel at school don't do well with paperwork. So what happens? What happens is, towards the uh, towards the uh, uh, end of your, you know, when you go into the real, quote unquote, real world, you get out of college, which they still reinforce this. When there's a problem, what do you think that the uh, solution is going to be? After you've been advocating paperwork all this time, what do you think it's going to be? Can you guess? More paperwork. Paperwork does not equal safer workplaces. I have clients that are eliminate paperwork. Why are we keeping this paperwork? Why are we doing this? Let's okay. Let's we still got to have some paperwork, but we're going to have something a little bit more effective. Can we simplify this? Right? Can we make one or two people responsible for the paperwork? Can we make everybody responsible for the paperwork? Whatever works, right? With the especially on construction sites with checklists and confident person stuff and everything else. Multiply the procedures and number 13, this is multiply the procedures and clearances involved in issuing instructions, paychecks, and so on. See that three people have to approve of everything where one would do, right? How many times do you see that in organizations with multiple sign-offs? When, you know, you get, to, you, know, you get the executive signing off on everything. Well, the executive doesn't know what the hell is going on in the field. How often does that happen? Apply all regulations to the last letter. I'm not saying don't uh, follow regulations, but sometimes uh, they're onerous. Can we do it? My question is, is that what the regulation says or is that what you think it says? And often it's what people think the regulation says that makes things difficult. And it's truly a misunderstanding. That's where your letters of interpretation come in handy from OSHA, right? Letters of interpretation, uh, 
no industry standards, things of that nature. So here's one for office workers. Some of this applies, some of this doesn't. Make mistakes in quantities of material when you're copying orders. Confuse similar names. Use wrong addresses. Prolong correspondence with government bureaus. Misfile essential documents. Hard to do that nowadays, now that we have scanners, right? In making carbon copies, make one too few so that an extra copying job will have to be done, right? Tell important callers the boss is busy or taking on another telephone. Right. Another thing is don't answer those right today's equivalent. Don't answer emails or voicemail messages until the end of the day or the next day. Tell important callers the boss is busy or taking on another f- telephone or talking on another telephone. Want to piss the caller off, especially if it's a important one? You do that a couple of times. Hold up mail until the next collection. Spread disturbing rumors that sound like inside dope. Again, with the mail, mail I mean... Uh, I, I used to have a mailbox uh, place that I used that would do this, right? Thursday's mail got delivered on Friday, and Thursday's mail got there at lunchtime sort of thing. So let's say you're an employee, right? Uh, one, work slowly. Two, contrive as many interruptions to work as possible. Three, even if you understand the language, pretend not to understand instructions in a foreign tongue. This happens. This is how employees uh, sabotage you. I had one guy who spoke English, but he refused to speak English in anyone's uh, presence at work. He would only speak another language. And then one day he forgot himself. And we found out that he spoke English. And and his boss said, and his boss was fooled for 15 years. And his boss hung out with him on the outside of work, too, which was funny. Pretend that instruction, and he understood and he spoke English perfectly, better than me, which isn't saying much. Pretend that instructions are hard to understand and ask to have them repeated more than once. Or pretend that you are particularly anxious to do your job and pester the foreman with unnecessary questions. Do your work poorly and blame it on bad tools, machinery, or equipment. Complain that these things are preventing you from doing your job right. Never pass on your skill and experience to a new or less skillful worker. Snarl up administration in every possible way. Fill out forms illegibly so that they will have to be done over. Make mistakes or omit the requested information in forms. If possible, join or help organize a group for presenting work employee problems to the management. See that the procedures adopted are inconvenient as possible for the management involving the presence of a large number of employees at each presentation, entailing more than one meeting for each grievance, uh, bringing up problems which are largely, <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh. Bringing up problems which are largely imaginary and so on. Misroot materials and mix good parts with unusual scrap. How many times do people not want to throw anything out and they keep the broken equipment, safety equipment, usually fall protection and electric cords? Again, we're going to talk about this at the end. We're gonna, it's uh, 44 minutes after the hour here. General devices for lowering morale and creating confusion. Give lengthy and incomprehensible explanations when uh, questioned. Report any spies or danger to the Gestapo or police. Okay, how many times do you see near-miss good catch reports or whatever you're calling them, and they're for things that never happened uh, or conditions that aren't there? Or they call you, you're the safety person, they call you from one side of the plant to the other and everything else, so they got you running in circles and then, uh, you know, things of that nature. This sounds like Saul Alinsky, real cool, right? I wonder if he got his ideas from this. Classified document. Act stupid. Be as irritable and quarrelsome as possible without getting yourself into trouble. Mr. Misunderstand all sorts of regulations concerning such matters as rationing, transportation, and traffic regulations. I would add today, safety. Complain against Herzat's equipment of materials. That's equipment that are used as a substitute, often as an inferior one. Do not cooperate in salvage schemes. Demand new equipment. We had someone do that today on one of the projects uh, here. Demanding new equipment when the old equipment can easily be repaired. Boycott all movies, entertainments, and concerts, newspapers, or which are any way connected with the quizzling authorities. 
Stop conversation when Access Nationals or Quizzling Center Cafe ever enter into an office. Uh, one of my buddies and I were laughing about this yesterday because every time we walked into someone's office at this one uh, place where we were both working on this one project, everybody shut up. It was, it was hysterical. In public, treat Axis Nationals or Quizlings coldly. Yeah, that happens. Uh, so here's my favorite. This is the last one I'm going to say. Cry and sob hysterically at every occasion, especially when confronted by government clerks or I would say bosses or anything else. People get hysterical crying and everything else. So let's take a little break here and I'm going to come back with some final commentary here. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's Safety Today. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com All right, we are back. So where am I going with all this? Right? This is going to be... I'm working on on a uh, PowerPoint presentation for this. I presented this to two other companies this week to get their feedback with this. Uh, one of them was during a training class for supervisory personnel. The other one was over lunch with uh, uh, my other client. I said, uh, and I said, how does this sound? And you know what they said? Half of that stuff happens at certain places. One of them is a workplace that everybody here I've talked about before. Everybody, if you're a longtime listener, you've heard of it. All right, uh, the same workplace. I, there are like half of the stories I have come from there. All right, simple sabotage. Uh, right, what happens uh, out there? Well, these things you get these. A lot of the stuff that happens here, main, mainly to piss off safety, and hopefully you're going to drop the issue, whatever it is. Delaying work. Oh, you know what? We can't address that. We got to get so and so involved. You got to get, and then that first day, we're going to get so-and-so involved. Sometimes it's coordinated, and then there is a conspiracy. Often it's not. It's just the way things are run at that company. And I think this is what Elon Musk was pointing out here. My own read into this, I don't know. I don't know the man. Right? I just know him from his Twitter feed and some of the other stuff out there that he's not online. And, you know, what I've read in the newspapers and heard. Maybe this is what he was pointing out. One client I had said that half of the people at the company do this type of stuff. And the other half would do it if they knew about it. And they're learning. They're new employees. Where is this being learned, this kind of stuff? Right, during world, you know, that, that's the other thing. Because we do know that there are groups in this country, currently, our competitors on the international market. It could be your competitor in an industry, another company. Promotes stuff like this to gum up the works of their competitors. I can think of a couple of environmental uh, com- uh, regulations that are in place where the biggest proponents of those proponents of those regulations were people who already figured out the solution. So they were advocating other people figure out to come to the same solution and thus put their competitors at a disadvantage. Right? There's a uh, theory in environmental uh, policy here. I remember from back in the day in graduate school, that innovation is driven by regulation. Yeah, so the necessity is regulation. We're going to pass regulations, so therefore people can figure out ways around the regulation, or and then we or we get better pollution controls in there because we're forcing people to do something. Just something to think about. Are we being now? My question is this: Are we being sabotaged? Is American business being sabotaged? Foreign business, right? So with foreign business. Are they are our are competitors actually trying to do this? I don't know, maybe through the university system, maybe through well, we already know social media, uh, social media, uh, 
the impacts of uh, what people have unrealistic expectations. They think they're going to be a TikTok star or an Instagram star or uh, uh, what's the other one? Snapchat or whatever new uh, thing is out there. They're going to make a lot of money. And you have people devoting all their time to content on the Internet. Not content to help people, but content to get clicks and everything else. To get likes and clicks and to generate cash. That's not building something. It's not spreading ideas to help people live a better life. For some utility to improve themselves. Right? Uh, just like uh, you know, everyone knows my favorite TV uh, series, right? Star Trek. People are out there right in the 23rd and 24th and now 25th century where they're out to improve themselves, make the world a better place, build things, explore, explore intellectual questions, spiritual questions, anything like that. And what ends up happening is what they're, they're they spend their life on baloney and sabotage. We sabotage ourselves. You're your own worst enemy. Often we have, and this is part of what we're doing, especially in the third season. We're going to be trying to expand our knowledge here, our knowledge base. A lot of what you, fo some people are, what we're going to be broadcasting in the very near future, people are not going to like. But we're going to, you know, people are saying, well, you should give people equal time. I'm going to say this. I am equal time. Safety FM, in a lot of ways, is equal time. There's plenty of resources out there on how to abuse your employees with safety systems that don't work. And you always hear, well, it doesn't work because the right people haven't tried it or you're not trying hard enough, things of that nature. So that's what we're about here on Safety Wars, motivating you, helping you out, and everything else. This whole exercise here on Simple Sabotage Field Manual, some of this, it's available online, right? A lot of this stuff happens in organizations, Maybe it's worth you passing this podcast along because it's going to be uploaded uh, this weekend. Pass that podcast along to your management, to your supervisors, to your uh, coworkers. Maybe, and we can have a conspiracy of safety out there where we all decide to work safe outside management. How do you like that? We all decide we're not going to get hurt. We're going to try to help each other, build each other up. Isn't that better off than what we're doing out here now, being adversaries? How many companies are adversaries? People are adversaries. I was talking to uh, my boss at the university. By the way, I they reinstated a lot of my programs, so I'm going to be there and uh, doing things this semester. We talked about people being not motivated, especially the generations before us. And I, you know, now I wonder, is that a legitimate complaint or is it just because I, I remember my father and my grandfather complaining about the laziness and the youth. Am I now becoming my father or my grandfather here complaining about that? Or is it a legitimate thing? Because we got a lot of people out there. I think that they've read this or somebody has read this and it's all part of the, uh, culture now the work culture i don't know something to ponder something to think about so welcome to season three of safety wars i appreciate all of the help that we're doing and i'm going to point out right something uh this is a very uh very uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for relevant thing here with daylight savings time coming this way so what is it and i always mix this up you and the uh, in the uh, uh, f spring, you set put the clocks ahead, right? I would double check that, right? They they you switch the clocks ahead. Basically, did you know that the uh, here I have it right here. Did you know that in the uh, that's the most the most dangerous uh, day to drive is the Monday when they mess with the tax, uh, the clocks, the daylight saving time hazards. Here, I'll read from my old podcast. Uh, just a simple change in time, like daylight saving time, could actually cause accidents and injuries in the workplace and on the road the following Monday, right? So uh, 
What are some of the hazards that are out there? We always hear about them, but there's actually some peer-reviewed data in the Journal of Current Biology. A uh, chronological evaluation of acute effects of daylight savings time on traffic accident risk published in January of 2020. The article is by Joseph Fritz. Uh, what does the article say? Uh, some There are a lot of risks and uh, consequences in the week following daylight saving time. Fatal traffic accidents ha- in Increased by 6% from the previous week. So that comes down to about 28 fatal accidents. At work, now a lot of employees are basically half asleep this week. So it might be, you know, it might be worth it to uh, basically ease up on people for the week, right? Try to figure out a way to manage it. So that's something you need to think about. So for, we'll see you on the rest of season three of Safety Wars, and we will uh, we will uh, go and uh, see you on Monday. Welcome to season three, and program number 200 is coming up. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means mechanical electronic recording or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast jay allen